Well, it's good to be here today. I think I was here about a year and a half ago, actually. Um, so really nice to be with you tonight. Uh, I got the privilege of talking about pronouns. And if you've come thinking, hold on, I thought tomorrow was school, what am I doing in an English class? Um, I think when we talk pronouns, we know there's a conversation out there in our society uh, about gender and about sexuality, and we want to go there. We actually want to learn what we can learn. Now, as I was praying about this, I thought, is this too sensitive? Because I was squirming and a bit awkward, and if you're sitting there thinking, is he really going to go there? That's how I was feeling. And so I asked the Lord, what should we be talking about? And what I felt that he was saying was to go to a layer deeper, deeper than gender, and deeper than sexuality, to go to that deep, deep layer of who you are and who I am. I work as a GP locally, and that's a real privilege. I get to walk journeys with people's lives when they're sick and when life is a struggle. And it's a privilege to be in that space. But to have this sort of opportunity where I'm not just talking about medical stuff and not just talking about psychological stuff, but we are asking the Lord to speak to us and speak his life-giving word to that deep, deep sense of who we are. We're going to need his help for that, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the message. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we come before you and recognize you as our creator, the one that knows us well, better than any other person on the earth. And we come to you also knowing that you are a God who speaks. And as you speak, you speak life and identity into us. And so we want to listen. We want to listen to what you have to say. And we ask for your help. That we would understand, but more than understand, that we would grab hold of what is true. And trust what you say. And build our life on it. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a quote that says, the two most important days of your life are, what would you say? This guy said, the most important two days of your life are the day on which you were born and the day you discovered why. Now, all of us here have successfully negotiated the first one. We didn't have much choice. All we had to do is turn up. But what about the second one? Have you lived that day where you discovered why you're here, discovered your purpose for being on the planet? The two most important days of your life are the day on which you were born and the day that you discovered why. Perhaps today might be that day where it all comes clear and you discover why you're here. Now, my observation of our culture is there's a whole lot of pressure, particularly on teenagers and young adults, a whole lot of pressure to make your mark on history. The pressure comes 
because we have all sorts of opportunities to follow our dreams, to be who we want to be. And you can do you and I can do me and that puts a whole lot of pressure on our shoulders. Because if we have all of these opportunities and it doesn't quite work out, what happens then? What if your life becomes a mess? What if you miss out on some opportunities? What if you make some choices and it just all falls apart? There's a lot of pressure if you're living to make your mark on history. Now, I want to offer you an alternative. Instead of trying to make your mark on history, perhaps you can make it your goal to take your place in his story. Now, just say that to yourself. You will find that your whole being starts to settle. Imagine if. I didn't have to try to make my mark. Imagine if I could just take my place in God's story, God's story of the world, God's story of my life. Imagine if I could just simply take my place and live that out. What a joy, what a privilege to simply be as you were intended and belong in the Lord's purposes. Another question I want you to think about, the two most important pronouns. Now, we are relational creatures. We don't develop our identity just by navel-gazing and looking inside and trying to discover who I am. That's the sneaky lie of the world that we live in. You and I become who we are in the context of relationship. I'm not an island. I'm shaped and I'm formed as I do life in relationship with others. So the two most important pronouns for us to grapple with are capital Y, you. And the second pronoun is we. The most important pronoun is who I am in relationship to you, my creator. And the second most important uh, pronoun is who I am in the we, the we of my family and the we of God's people, our spiritual family. We don't become who we are by looking inside. We become who we are by being in right relationship with our Creator and by becoming who we are in relationship to other people. So today we're going to explore some of these ideas and we're going to do that with a little help from a friend. The Bible is full of stories and the beauty about stories is we can get inside the story and explore Stories let us engage with the complexities and the ambiguities and the paradoxes. They let us get inside and they inspire us and encourage us. They can unite us and engage us. We can laugh, we can cry when we're inside the story. And the story is a vehicle for truth and meaning. 
Often, stories gently reveal to us the way things are, how we are like in relationship with other people. So our story today comes from the end of John's Gospel, the last chapter, chapter 21. We're going to be watching it on video and see how it comes to life, but a bit of context so we can make sense of what's going on. You might know of a disciple called Peter. He's one of those disciples in the Gospels where you really connect with him. He often spends most of his life with his foot in his mouth. He's that kind of personality. He's bold, he's foolhardy. And we're going to see this story a few weeks after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. You might know that the night before Jesus was crucified, Peter was there and he was warming himself beside a fire and someone came up to him and said, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? No, I'm not. Someone else comes back and says, I'm sure I've seen you with him. You're one of his disciples. I'm not. And it happens a third time. And Peter emphatically says, I am not connected with Jesus. You've got the wrong guy. And the really sad thing is it happened three times. This wasn't a oopsie-daisy. I just made a mistake once. This was Peter taking a considered position, I don't belong with Jesus because he's about to get crucified. Now that is what happened a few weeks before the story we're about to see. And Peter was pretty cut up about it. I don't know if you've had an experience like that where you've let down a friend, maybe you've distanced yourself at the time of their need, And afterwards, you think back and you think, I have done the wrong thing. I've totally blown that friendship. That's where Peter was at, absolutely gutted, kicking himself. Why didn't I stick up for Jesus? I'd spent three years following him, and look how I've treated him now. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a failure. Now, Peter had been a fisherman before he started following Jesus, so when he was feeling these deep, intense emotions, what did he do? He headed north, back to his village, got his fishing boat, and he went fishing, which often would restore him, but on that particular day, he caught nothing, spent the whole night, and he had nothing. And that's when our story happens. Jesus turns up and has a conversation. Let's have a watch. It's a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Let's see what we can learn. Peter was a miserable mess. Would you agree? Life had fallen apart. He'd betrayed a close friend. He was helpless. He was hopeless. And then Jesus comes and finds him. Jesus goes and seeks him out. Jesus doesn't wait for Peter to come. Jesus goes to him. And he does it in a way that revealed himself to Peter in unmistakable ways. The first one is the catch of fish. 
Back in Luke 5, when Peter first started following Jesus, this was how Jesus revealed himself. Told him to put his net down and caught such a big catch of fish that Peter thought, who is this guy? I need to follow him and learn from him. And as Jesus seeks Peter out now to restore him, he reveals himself in the same way. And when they were sitting in the boat and Peter goes, it's Jesus, what does he do? Just jumps in the water and starts swimming, thinking I've got to get to him. And then the chat round the fire. This is a bit deeper. Jesus knows that Peter disowned him three times as he was warming himself on that cold night. So what does Jesus do when he wants to heal him and restore him? He recreates that scene, builds a fire, gets people around, and then starts asking him some questions. You see, when Jesus wants to heal our deep wounds, he doesn't ignore them. He actually goes there. But when he goes there, he goes gently. He goes kindly. He sets things up to give the best chance that as we respond to him in faith, we actually get healed at that deep, deep level of our being as we realign everything in relationship to Jesus. Now, some application. I don't know anything about your journey, but for most of us, we live through some seasons that are pretty hard, seasons that can break us or wound us, and there might be some genuinely sensitive wounds inside of you, experiences that maybe you haven't shared with anyone else. And yet the Lord has seen, and the Lord knows, and the Lord wants to go there in order to bring healing and give you life. So Jesus knows, and Jesus comes to you, not to judge, not to condemn, but to heal and restore and speak life. So let's see what happens for Peter. Jesus asks him a question and then gives him an instruction and repeats that three times. What's going on? As we notice, Jesus is recreating the scene and the question is, do you love me? The first time he asks, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, I love you. And then Jesus steps it up and gets the eye contact, no, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And then the third time, no, Peter, do you love me? And that's when Peter cracks. And you see tears come to his eyes because he knows that Jesus knows that deep inside his being, he let him down. And so how does Peter respond to that question? He says, Lord, you know. You know what's going on in here. You know the mess. You know the contradictions. At times I say, yes, I love you. At other times I live 
as though you meant nothing at all to me. And Peter says, Jesus, you know. You know what's going on. And Jesus looks inside and says, I know. The true Peter loves me. That's the true Peter. And what about you? If Jesus was to ask that question of you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, Jesus isn't having a private conversation with Peter. Did you notice that? Everyone else is looking. (laughs) Makes you a bit uncomfortable and you start squirming and you think, I feel for Peter. Couldn't Jesus have done this off to the side? But you see, Jesus wants to do more than just sort things out, Peter and Jesus. Jesus wants to publicly get Peter back on the team, to publicly restore him in front of all the other disciples so that they know things have been put right between Jesus and Peter. How refreshing it would have been for Peter to hear that. How refreshing and settling for us to be able to be challenged by these questions and say, you know what? Yes. If you're willing to have me back, yes, I do love you. You love me and I love you and I've got a place in God's family again. What life-giving words that Jesus was able to do as he asks this question three times. But what about the life-giving instruction? As Peter responds each time saying, yes, Lord, I do love you, what does Jesus say? He says, do you love me? We'll feed my lambs. Do you love me? We'll take care of my sheep. Do you love me? will feed my sheep. You see, Jesus wasn't just restoring Peter's identity to say, you've got a place back in my family. He was saying, Peter, you have a purpose. And you're going to discover that purpose through serving other people. Don't spend all of your time looking inside wallowing in all of your regrets and shame and guilt. Let's clear all of that out. Let's restore you to a place in God's family and let's help you see your lifelong purpose to go and feed the people of God. Lay your life down in service of God and those who belong to him. So Peter comes to Jesus and finds him and finds his place in his story. Now you saw in the little clip, there was a bit of a flash forward to Peter as an old man, 30 years in the future. You see, Peter, after this, became a faithful disciple. 
He became a giant of the faith, a courageous leader of the early church. He spent the rest of his life traveling around Palestine and then Turkey and then Greece and then Italy. In Italy, he was arrested for proclaiming the gospel and encouraging disciples and leading churches. He was arrested and then imprisoned and then executed as a faithful follower of Jesus. And it all began on that beach. It all began with those three questions, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Well, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Everything changed for Peter once he was face to face with Jesus. That big pronoun, capital Y, O-U. And when he was restored into the family of God's people and he took his place as a loved son of God, And then as he took Jesus at his word who said, go and feed my sheep and follow me. And Peter said, okay, I found my purpose in life and I will give my absolute everything to be faithful to this Lord who has taken me back. We began the story with Peter as a miserable mess and then Jesus healed him and restored him He found his place and his purpose in the Jesus story and his life became a meaningful mission. Now, what about you and what about me? We've been given the privilege of seeing and hearing and getting inside Peter's story. But what about us? What about your story? What about my story? Are you trying to make your mark on history? And are you crumbling under the pressure? Or have you found your place and your purpose in his story? Has something gone on in your life that makes you feel unforgivable or unlovable? Well, Jesus came in order to seek you out and to find you. He's willing to go to that sensitive place and he'll go there gently. He'll go there full of kindness. He'll ask some challenging questions. Your heart will have to make a choice. Will you be like Peter and lay it all out on the table and say, Lord, You know what's in there, but deep, deep down, yes, I do love you, and I do want to live for you. Once that shift happens in your heart, the word of Jesus is able to bring you to life, and he's able to speak words of purpose that open up a whole future a whole lifetime on this earth where no longer are you trying to make your mark on history, but you are simply enjoying your place in God's family and seeking him and saying, what's the part I can play?
as you give it to me and as you do the work in me and through me and empower me to live in that way. That's what I want to do. I want to follow you. Wherever you take me, whatever it takes, that's where I belong. Jesus gives you a life-giving question. Do you love me? And he gives you a life-giving purpose. Feed my sheep. Find your meaning and purpose in serving him and serving his people. So let's bring things to a close. We thought at the beginning about the two most important days in our lives, the days that we were born and then the day we discovered why. We thought about the two most important pronouns in our life, our relationship with our creator and finding our identity as we work it out in our human relationships. And then we thought, have we taken our place and purpose in his story? Have you discovered your identity and your mission? Have you responded to Jesus when he says, do you love me? Well, feed my sheep and follow me. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you as the true and living God. We thank you for this particular story where we get to hear, Lord Jesus, of how you came to Peter. You found him as a miserable mess. You recreated a scene of healing and restoration, and you spoke life-giving identity into him. Lord, would you do that for each person here? You know us well. You know what is going on in our hearts. And we pray that you would speak your life-giving word into each person here, that we would find our place and find our purpose in your wonderful story of bringing glory to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for an opportunity to listen to your word. Please continue to speak to us and help us respond with faith and with joy and with love and with obedience. Amen.